Welcome to Trust Matters, the podcast, where Charles H. Green, CEO of Trusted Advisor Associates and co-author of the best-selling book, The Trusted Advisor, answers your questions and offers wisdom on how to build stronger relationships with clients and colleagues. Podcast listeners, I've got something for you. Our next free Trust Matters webinar is coming up on Tuesday, July 23rd at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. The subject is seven risks you should take to build trust. And this one is hosted by Andrea Howe. She's the founder of the Get Real Project. They're a great partner of Trust Advisor Associates. So we all know that trust and risk-taking are inextricably intertwined. Uh, We're going to give you seven best practices to expand your risk-taking aptitude. You can register for free at trustedadvisor.com backslash webinars. Again, trustedadvisor.com backslash webinars. You can also view a library of past webinars on this page. So we hope to see you at the webinar. Take it away, Charlie. Hi, everyone. It's Charlie Green again. Jason, I understand someone's got a question about sales prospects that stop getting back to you. So we got a, a question about the old sales funnel. Ashley writes in to say, Charlie, I'm a manager at a small communications consultancy. Part of my job is keeping track of our sales funnel. Since I took on this role about six months ago, I've been trying to systematize our approach to leads. We've got a working CRM system that I've upgraded. I'm putting together some metrics, some best practices and whatnot. About a third of our leads are really qualified and promising, but less than 10% are converting into a sale. So we usually have a good meeting or two, maybe a lunch or a phone call, and we respond in depth about their issue, our services, and really put some thought into the response. And then it's often just crickets. They go silent, they don't return emails, they don't get back to us, and we have no idea what's going on. Should we keep pushing on these leads? Is there a rule of thumb, like how many emails we send them in a certain time frame? Do we up the ante and phone them? Do we chastise them for taking up our valuable time and not even having the decency to respond and let us know what's going on? Or is this just par for the course in sales and we let this go? Thanks, Ashley. You're not alone. Whether the number is more or less than your one-third, I bet everyone listening to this podcast who has a role similar to yours has the same question. And it deserves an answer. So here it is. The short form of the answer, stop beating a dead horse. Now, in a minute, I'll tell you exactly how to say that in your last communication to them. Now, let's unpack things. First, if you go back and examine your history, I'll bet you that your response rate goes down, probably drastically, with every follow-up email that you send. And for anyone who doesn't have data to go back and check it, just ask yourself how you respond when you get an email that says, Hey, you may have missed my last email, so I thought I'd just check in. If you recall, I was asking blah, 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 blah. Now, first of all, you almost certainly didn't miss their last email. You got it, and you chose not to respond for one of several reasons. Maybe this is only a small part of a bigger decision for the company, and you have to wait for things to unfold. Or maybe it's an an important project, but the timing's not right. Or it's not an important project. Right now, you're gathering info for next year's planning. Or maybe you think these people are just not right for the job. Or, most frequently, you've just been too busy. In almost all those cases, the effect of another, hey, how come you haven't got back to me, email is predictable. It's annoying. It has a negative effect, not a positive one, and it doesn't increase the odds of a reply. It actually decreases the odds. If that makes sense to you, then we have to ask a deeper question. Why are you pushing them in a way that seems to lead to negative results? My guess is one or more of the following three reasons. Number one, you really want this sale, and you've convinced yourself that if you you don't do every last thing to try and get it, you're going to be derelict in your duty. 
Number two, you just want closure. You hate that nagging doubt, the unanswered questions, and you want it to move to a, you'd rather even move it to a loss column at the expense of increasing the odds of failure. And three, they're just being rude, gosh darn it, they shouldn't be able to get away with that crap. Now, let's be clear, all three of those are bad reasons. Every one of them is about you and about your own psychological needs. But your prospect neither knows nor cares about your psychological needs, and you pushing them on it will only drive them further away. So, don't do that. At a minimum, make sure your CRM tool has a closed did not respond column, and don't hesitate to move leads into the column. You can always move them back if they actually do get back to you, but pull the trigger faster on those non-responses. Now, let me give you some specific wording to use in your first and last follow-up email. After waiting the appropriate time, whatever that is, send them an email with a multiple-choice format, something like the following, and I'm going to read off a draft email. Dear Prospect, it's been two weeks since our phone call and my follow-up email to you, and I haven't heard back from you. And I confess I've started to worry, and I've come up with various reasons why this might be the case. Please help me by just checking the appropriate box below. Box number one. Charlie, you said the most horrible things to me on that call. I don't know if I can ever forgive you. In any case, we're done. Box number two. Charlie, my company has gone belly up. The repo men are taking our office furniture away as I write this. Box number three. Charlie, this is just a complete non-starter, and I was only trying to find a polite way to tell you no. Box number four. Charlie, recent events have changed things around here, and honestly, this project has just taken on a much lower priority. In box number five, Charlie, sorry, I've just been really busy lately. I, of course, suspect number one. Even if that's the case, however, would you be willing to put me out of my misery by letting me know? Yours, flinchingly, Charlie. End of email. Now, hopefully the humorous and self-effacing tone comes through the way I read that. But more importantly, you're giving them two perfectly reasonable outs. A, you know, number four, things have changed. Number five, they're busy. And both of those boxes are a lot easier to check off by comparison with the over-the-top insanity of the first two. Most of the time you'll get a response to an email like that, and it often comes even with an apology and, and an acknowledgement that, yeah, they should have gotten back to you, but, you know, for reasons four and five. But here's the important point. If that email doesn't elicit a response, you should no longer have any reason psychologically to avoid moving that lead to the DNR column, because that is truly a dead horse. So, stop beating it. You've been listening to the Trust Matters Podcast with Charles H. Green. Send us your questions about trust, relationships, and business at podcast at trustedadvisor.com. And visit trustedadvisor.com for tons of free articles, videos, and more.